This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And welcome back to some sort of the Cooler Jets podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, disappointing Jets loss today. Two great teams. It was a great game. The Jets almost pulled off yet another fourth quarter comeback this season, but fell short. Reds on offense was absolutely atrocious today. The defense let them down in some some key spots as well, but still plenty of good to take from this game. The Jets also got plenty of help today in the uh, from the other AFC teams in the wild card race. So it wasn't a terrible Sunday, but would have been great if they could have pulled out this win. So what was your first reaction as, as soon as the game ended? I mean, to be completely honest with you, and some people weren't agreeing with me on this, but I wasn't that mad. I mean, look, obviously it's very disappointing. I mean, they had this in the palm of their hand at the end of the game. Should have been an amazing comeback uh, and a continuation of the magic that started with the last game. But I don't know. It's You're on the road against a 9-win team. They competed with them very well. Ultimately, I think outplayed them for the most part outside of obviously execution in the biggest moments in the red zone i mean they out yarded them or outgained them by about 200 yards something like that um so they played well for the most part rebounded um after a tough start to the game and really the main reason i don't think i'm too upset about it is the quarterback play i think mike white absolutely balled out in this game i mean i know the end result was not a victory but regardless of that i mean the throws he was making throughout this game were big time throws. I mean, the number of tight window completions he had to make, especially late in the game, just tight windows, anticipatory with pressure, uh, that fourth and 10 throw to Davis, the one before that on the corner, then the final drive of the game, he hits Garrett Wilson on a corner or out, something like that. Um, but he had so many big throws in this game. I was very impressed with him. And this game really added to what he started uh, with the Bears game, and it's hard to not have at least a little bit of a feeling now that maybe this guy is legit. So, got to keep it going more than two games. But I'm not totally upset because I feel like coming out of this game, despite the fact they didn't finish it, I almost feel like the Jets are feel like a more dangerous team now than they did before this game, just because of Mike White adding to what he did in that Bears game and really continuing to establish himself as a potentially legitimately good quarterback who the Jets can rely on for good production week in week out down the stretch here because that was the big question you know throughout most of this middle part of the season is you know what are you getting out of quarterback you trusted everything else that was the big question and now they got it and unfortunately this was the one game where 
the defense played probably its worst game since the Browns game. Um, and, you know, couldn't finish in the red zone, but that's hasn't been a huge problem this season. It's something you expect that they should get cleaned up. So it, it's a t- very tough loss, obviously. But just looking forward in terms of the outlook of the team, I don't think it changes a whole lot for me. Uh, in the standings, again, quite obviously, it hurts. And it's big they got some help from the other teams. It definitely eases the blow a little bit. But um, it's a big loss. But at the same time, when I'm looking at just the team specific- specifically and what is their outlook going forward, I really don't feel like it makes me feel any worse. And if anything, I feel better just because of the quarterback play and Mike White, what he's shown these past two games. So that's how I look at it. I'm not totally distraught over this, but definitely it hurt in the moment. I mean, we're not going to play my reaction on this. It's slightly (laughs) vulgar, but I mean, uh, I was, I was definitely bummed out in the moment, but uh, yeah, I keep moving forward. Well, okay. Let's start with Mike White because yeah, I've seen some very, glass half full optimistic tweets from you uh, regarding Mike White, which is a little bit of a a role reversal between the two of us. But I I mean, look, obviously I agree with you. I think Mike White played a great game. I think there are two things though, before we start getting totally ahead of ourselves is one, we got to see him against a better defense. Uh, I know the Vikings, I will say this though, the Vikings came in with a bad pass defense. We both anticipated Mike White having another good game. So the type of performance that he had wasn't necessarily surprising i guess i would say but i will say this i thought the vikings defense actually did play yeah. very well I, I i mean they did a nice job especially in the first half a lot of disguises and it wasn't like they were open receivers all over the place and right. you know we got to see the all 22 to see you know what were some of the route concepts that lafleur is using i think and we'll talk about lafleur in a second because I, I do believe he deserves some criticism i also think you can say well lafleur did get him down into the red zone and had plenty of yards and um you know outside of the red zone production, I think LaFleur did have a good game. But when you look at Mike White, yeah, statistically, maybe you were expecting him to, okay, he's going to have plenty of yards. He's going to be able to move the football against his Vikings defense. But when you actually watch it, right? I mean, it was tough throw after tough throw yeah. after tough throw. Um, and I think yeah, you have to be really – That's the thing. I yeah, mean, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. That's the thing about competition because it's kind of the same thing with like the Patriots games and Zach Wilson because, you know, a lot of people were trying to say like, oh, these are tough defenses, it's expected, but that's just, the quality of the competition is just what they have done. But when you watch the game, they don't necessarily have to match that in that given game because you look at those Patriots games and the Jets were carving them up in terms of getting guys open. They're just wide open people running around the whole game. So the fact that the Patriots are a good defense didn't excuse that. And then you look at this game and like you're saying, you know, the Vikings are, not a good defense this year, especially past defense, but you watch this game and their coverage was very good in this game. I mean, the majority of the throws were very tightly covered. There were not a lot of wide open throws, gimme throws in this game. And the, the pressure was interesting because I feel like at times there was really good protection and he was sitting back there going one, two, three, had plenty of time. But some of the big time throws he made later in the game uh, were, you know, as he was taking a big hit. So it was a mixed bag with the pass pro, but uh, either way, I think the coverage for Minnesota was very good in this game. Nothing was really handed to the Jets, but he was, Mike White was delivering some big throws, and even the ones he didn't complete, most of the time they were, you know, again, still tightly contested throws that maybe he wasn't perfect on, but they were somewhat catchable. It's not like he was completely whiffing on open throws. So 
yeah, I mean, despite the fact that the Vikings aren't a good defense, they played like one in this game. I really think they do. You know, contrary to the Bears game where I think, you know, the Bears are a bad defense and they played like it in that last game. And Mike White took advantage and played really, really well in that game. But this one, I think, despite what the numbers say on paper for the Vikings on the season, they made him work for it in this game. And he just came up with so many big time throws. I mean, the Jets should not have had a chance in this game with the type of throws that White had to make to keep him in it. But he just answered time and time again with these huge plays to put him in those spots in the red zone. And I think that kind of adds to the, and we'll get into LaFleur a little bit, but I think that kind of adds to the LaFleur criticism because there wasn't a lot of schemed up offense yeah. in this. A lot of the production was just guys making plays, whether it was White delivering a tough throw, Garrett Wilson, big time yak on that one uh, one play, and multiple other plays in addition to that. Son of a Knight with a huge run, just well blocked, good reads. Um, it was a lot of just individual plays i feel like and then when michael floor actually did go into his bag and pull out trick plays stuff like that very little production and then there weren't many wide open receivers that he schemed up so i i really think the individual effort from mike white and obviously a few other players was really impressive in this one so that has me feeling optimistic yeah i mean it's a little different than the patriots losses because both those losses you also felt like the jets let one slip away but it was more depressing, I guess, because it was like, wow, the quarterback really cost them. Yeah. This one, it felt and like, you know, it's like the defense deserved to win, but it was like, especially in that second Patriots game, it didn't feel like the Jets deserved to win that game. Um, this one, it, it felt like they deserved to win the game, or they played at least well enough to win the game. They had a number of great performances. You mentioned Garrett Wilson, Zonovan Knight at another one, you know, and the defense did a step up in the second half and make some key stops. And then, so it's like, you know, they played well. This felt like the type of loss that good teams have, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it's like those two Pats games didn't feel like the types of losses that good teams have. Obviously, the two losses in the beginning of the season didn't feel like this. But this feels like, you know, when you watch the Chiefs or the Ravens or any of the other top teams, it's like they every team loses. And it's like these are the types of losses that you're at the beginning of the season would be okay with. You know, as we get down the stretch with the playoffs nearing and you kind of feel like that pressure of the Jets need to – you know, they have a tough stretch to close it out and they, they need to stay ahead of the Chargers and the Patriots, especially since they don't have the tiebreakers against the Bengals and Patriots. Um, you know, obviously it's hard to feel happy about it and we definitely don't, but I don't feel as down after this game because like you said, I think there are plenty of things to be excited about and the quarterback's definitely one of them. We need to see him do it next week against the Bills. I think that's a big thing. I mean, obviously we saw Zach Wilson do it against the Bills and I think the Bills' style of defense does present um, – you know, does play well into some of, of Mike White's strengths, but obviously they played well against him last year. And I do bet you that they mix it up a little bit based off how much Zach cooked them in the first game. So this isn't the Bills preview pod. We'll have that later in the week. But um, need to see him do it against the Bills before I think you, we can crown him. But when you think about if this was – and look, I think we can – assuming that Mike White keeps playing well, well, we'll slow down with the Zach Wilson comparisons. But even if – let's just say it was Trevor Lawrence for the Jaguars or Justin Fields for the Bears. Imagine if they had this type of performance with those types of throws. I'm like, yeah, I know it's like he didn't throw any touchdowns. He, I know he ran for one. but And they had two interceptions, one being a tipped pass and that should have yeah. been caught, and the other one being fourth down guy about to sack him has to just right. throw. Right, they mean absolutely nothing Davis. Yeah. in regards to evaluating him. But it's like, okay, if, if Trevor Lawrence of the Jaguars had that type of game, 
with those types of big money throws. You'd be like, wow, the Jaguars have their franchise yeah. quarterback. He didn't cost him this one. You still have to be excited. Or if the same thing with Zach or, or Justin Fields. And then with Mike White, it's like, oh, is he good enough to elevate the team? Should the Jets go back to Zach Wilson? Like you see all those those tweets. And, and not that they should really matter at all. But it is funny that how the perception of their indivi- like their pedigrees coming into the season really affects how, how people judge these quarterback performances. Because like you said, Mike White, Mike White made – a number of, I mean, in this game alone, he had more throws that were top tier, top level NFL throws. Yeah. And I think Zach has had all season. Is that yeah. Like- I mean, I think that's legitimate. It, it really is. And it's, it's just not an exaggeration. It's let's run, let's run through some because we just yeah. rewatched it. So, I mean, let's just, I, we're going to miss some, but let's just think of some, obviously you have the, the big completion to Garrett Wilson, where he, I thought he scored, but he stepped out of bounds. Also, there was a yeah. number of those moments in this game uh, where I thought they scored, like obviously the Barriers touchdown at the end that he dropped. But there are a few times where I was celebrating, and then I had to realize, and that was that was brutal. But that Garrett Wilson uh, near touchdown yeah. being one of them. Uh, there He had a out route to Corey Davis. I mean, I feel like we should have some timestamps. There's almost too many to, to just start adding up. But he had an out route to, to Garrett Wilson in the last drive. He had... Uh, the fourth down throw to Corey Davis. He had a, a throw to Corey Davis on the last drive that you felt like Corey Davis almost could have scored on, but he got tripped up. Um, he had a, a nice throw to Uzama. Um, that was a great to, throw, I mean, hitting him in stride, just to lead he, him. Yeah, he had a number. He had the he had the deep post to Garrett Wilson that he didn't come down with, but I did feel like that was one of the first times we did get to see Mike White throw deep, and I was like, oh, that was a, that was actually a nice throw that if Garrett. Garrett was it was just an amazing play by Harrison Smith to knock it down. But if Garrett caught it, you almost felt like he might have taken that in. The one missed, I would say the only bad play that Mike White had, again, we have to rewatch it. He might have had enough, a, a few other like, you know, misses. Um, but the one bad play was the miss to Garrett Wilson on the deep ball that, yeah. that could have scored. But outside of that, and we didn't even name all the the, the throws that or even and, plays. And even that outside of that, I just love the resolve that he came back from that and then he hit that um, really, really good out out slash corner, whatever you want to call it, to Corey Davis um, for like 25 yards or whatever, a couple plays after that. I don't know if it was the next play or a couple yeah. plays, but either way, um, he's getting pressured. He's rolling right. He got hit while he's throwing that. He gets it over the underneath defender in front of the deep defender. I mean, he's doing big time stuff in this game. If Zach Wilson was making the same throws, you know, beginning of the season when we had the hopes that we had at that point, you know, we'd be hyping that up so much, but um you know, it there's the stigma of him being a 27 year old fifth round quarterback, and and look, it it is fair to an extent to be skeptical about his potential because of those things. Um, but at this point, when he just starts stacking this up, it's like you got to start taking it seriously. And you look at what the Jets' offense has done with him under center now. I mean, this is the second year in a row that he just comes in to an offense that is not playing great without him, to say the least. And then just leads them to these 400, 500 yard games like it's nothing. He did it obviously last year. And then now he comes in this year, 460 against the Bears, 460 against the Vikings again. It's like this stuff is not easy to do. And, you know, I, I pulled I pulled the stat and posted it on Twitter. But, um, you know, three out of four games now, you know, his full starts, if you take out the Colts game, he's put up at least 400 or the Jets have had at least 460 yards in the game in the games that he started and played the whole game. They've only had three other games outside of him doing that in the last seven seasons, seven whole seasons, three times. And he's done it in four games. So like 
he's sparking the team and it, it's just fun to watch. So I'm excited to see if he can keep this going. Like you said, Bill's great test, but uh, despite this loss, you have to feel, I think you have to feel good about yeah. the the future of, in terms of, you know, long-term we'll see what happens, but next few games, like they, it looks like they've checked the box that was limiting them the most throughout those first 10 games. I think the the other big takeaway I have for this game, and, and we talked about it a little bit after the, the Bears game, because because Mike White's only real extended action where he looked good and Jets fans got to see him was last year against the Bengals, a lot of checkdowns. I think there was a perception that Mike White was maybe a noodle on quarterback or like check down King or like, you know, like that Mac Jones type of quarterback where it's a lot of checkdowns. And sure, Mike White will take what, what the defense gives him, and he's perfectly happy to take all that underneath stuff. But in this game, you saw the type of arm that he has. And, the you know, the, the term arm talent gets thrown out a lot. And, yeah, sure, does he have the same loose type of arm that, that Zach Wilson has? Or can he make all the throws from different platforms? No. Although I will say he did make a number of throws from different platforms in this game. But the velocity that he's put on some of these throws, because it's not arm strength isn't just like, okay, how far can you throw it? I think we saw him obviously have to go deep a few times, and it wasn't like he was underthrowing those or sailing those out of bounds like we did see with Zach. But those 25, 30-yard out routes – throwing it the way that he was throwing it with the velocity that he had and the accuracy. I mean, that is high level stuff. I mean, so he's not just, you know, sometimes you'll get a guy who's like, okay, he's really good in the film room and he can read defenses, but he doesn't have the biggest arm. He's not the best athlete. So he can hit the dump offs, but defenses can figure him out because he's limited athletically. I don't think Mike White is that type of player. I mean, I didn't realize the type of baseball player he was in high school or even coming out of college too, until I went back and watched him. Like the MO on him wasn't that he, the MO on him was that he had a big arm and that he was struggling to do the easy stuff. And then the MO on him coming into the season was like, okay, what type of arm does he have? He's not the athlete that Zach is, but is he just a check down king? And I think in this game you saw, no, he's he's an NFL quarterback. We definitely know that. I mean, it's hard to establish a floor for him based off of it's still limited sample size, but it does feel like, okay, no matter what, the Jets have an NFL quarterback in their room. Is Mike White the, the starter for the next five years? Way too early to say. Is Mike White the starter for the rest of the season? I think, barring yeah. he really collapses, which I just don't see happening, I would say yes. Assuming he stays healthy, yeah. yeah. Based off the two games he had, um, I think he's he's earned his shot at least. I think they will continue to take it like on a week-to-week approach or whatever, but this solidified what you saw last week, what the, everybody in the building has been saying about Mike White. And this does make him a realistic option going forward. It's just, we have to see it down the stretch. But if we keep getting these types of quarterback performances from him, he will be the starting quarterback entering next year. And that we have a whole offseason to talk about, you know, does Zach, do they keep Zach Wilson and have him compete or be the backup and still develop and all that stuff? That's for another conversation. But two games so far this year, and Mike White has looked fantastic in both of them. And I, I understand that, yeah, okay, maybe your, your tweets are a little uh not not to say our favorite phrase hyperbolic maybe because i know you're like i'm all in on mike white hyperbolic. he's the I real deal i'm all in didn't say I'm yeah, all didn't in. you say I, I heard i read oh, he's the real I deal real he deal has me one. giddy which i don't I blame giddy. you look, I, I'm giddy. look at my smile i think it's just we have to see him do it against a better defense i agree though the vikings had a terrific game plan and played really well in this game and they're the number two team in the nfc Obviously, their defense hasn't been great, but it's not like it's not like there were open receivers all over the place, which is the, the main takeaway. But have to see it against a better defense, have to see it a little bit more consistently. 
you would have liked to see the win, the win there. But yeah, I mean, two games with Mike White and this offense looks completely different. That is the one thing I will say, and I want to get your thoughts on this. We'll keep talking about Mike White and some of the good. It's not really too much bad there. Um, but in terms of the floor, the few times, honestly, the only times we've seen him run this offense without the training wheels were the three games with Flacco and the last two games with Mike White. Because every other game, it does feel like he's like, okay, I got a young quarterback, a quarterback I got to protect, you know, a quarterback that I have to keep things kind of simple. But with Flacco, the veteran, and then clearly a guy in Mike White that they trust, it does seem like they took the training wheels off. They're comfortable running the whole offense. But in all those games, they're throwing like 50 to 60 times. And yeah, okay, they were down and they've been down in all those games for the most part um, outside of, I guess, the Bears game. So that's part of it for sure. And I do understand when you have a quarterback you trust and your run game is is it maybe as – I don't even want to say as explosive because I still feel like they had some good runs with Bam Knight. Point being, he got away from the run in this game. And yes, he comes from the Kyle Shanahan tree, but he was the passing game coordinator. And it does seem like every single game that we've had with him this year, small sample size, but having the offense, no training wheels, he does seem to get away from the run too quickly. And you know that Robert – that has to bug Robert Sala. Like you already know that – that will be the messaging coming out of this one was we can't throw the ball that many times. And, you know, it didn't cost him because Mike White looked great, but it's like going up against this Vikings defense and some of the stuff they were disguising and, and, and doing on the back end, it just did feel like they could have ran the ball a little bit more. I know they were catching, they were playing catch up and, and Mike White was having a, a good game, but I don't know. I don't feel like you can, you, you, I don't think you should rely on throwing it with Mike White 60 times, you know? But I guess, yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's something to be said for that or said for that. I think, um, you know, that big run that Knight had in the fourth quarter, I think at that point they easily could have gone into, you know, pass every single time mode, but they ran it there and they got a big play out of it. So, yeah, I mean, I think they well, at least tried to stick with it a little bit. I think I, mean, I think it, it's the red zone is really what yeah. it's like, especially when they had the two plays from the, the one yard line. Obviously, the fourth down, you're probably going to throw it. But the third and one play that really sucks is like Garrett trips, and I don't even know. It might have been an overthrow either way, but he was going to give him an opportunity. But it's like you had the stat too, and you maybe remember it off the top of your head. James Robinson's active, and doesn't he have like the highest percent of fourth and one or third and one conversions? Right. Yeah, that's true. He did, so, he had gone eight for eight on his one-yard line carries. So it's like you have, you have Robinson. You're on the one-yard line. It's third down. And that wasn't the only situation, but it's just like you have six red zone trips. Is that what it was? Or is it yeah, seven? I think so. Might have been seven. Six. six or seven. Well, they threw seven, a pick. Yeah, seven if you count the last one because they had five. Yeah, well, one of the field goals didn't get into the red zone. I think oh, it was okay. six. Whatever. Regardless, you can't have that many trips to the red zone and not score a touchdown. And I think part of that is because they weren't running in the red zone. But, you know, I, at the same time as somebody – who, you know, I'll criticize LaFleur. I do think that he is an above average to good offensive coordinator. There's some things every game that irk you a little bit, but nobody's perfect. But I have to say, yes, you can really criticize him for this red zone offense, and there are some things you definitely changed. But at the same time, they did have nearly 500 total yards of offense. And, like, yes, a lot of that goes to Mike White, but you can't just completely ignore that when evaluating LaFleur's game. But what did you, what did you think of, of LaFleur's game as a whole? No, yeah, I think for me, I, I'm putting this one largely on him. And, and, and I'm a big LaFleur fan. I mostly defend him throughout the season. I think he's had a good year. 
uh, and he gets a bad rap because of the results sometimes because of the lack of execution, mainly at quarterback. But this one, I kind of feel like is the opposite. I mean, like we said, I think a lot of this production was good individual play. And then when it came down to the red zone, which is nowhere I think scheming maybe comes into play a little bit more strongly because you see so many plays in the red zone just determined by, you know, did the play call work and get somebody wide open. Um, he really did not have anything in the red zone to help them out. I mean, the, you know, the trick plays he was calling in the red zone, I thought it was too much because, because like I said, I mean, what was their best offense in this game? It was Mike White dropping back, uh, dropping back, being aggressive, throwing the ball down the field, and then, you know, just running the ball out of, you know, out of shotgun on handoffs, you know, with not a lot of gimmicks to it. That was really their best offense in this game. But in the red zone, LaFleur really felt this need in this game to pull out all these trick plays, which, you know, again, we're being results-based. They didn't work, so now it's bad. Uh, if they worked, we'd be like, woo, yeah, LaFleur is the best. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it didn't work a couple times, and he kept going back to it. You know, even there was, I think, the third uh, field goal drive of the second half. He started with the Zonovan Knight screen that went nowhere. Then he threw another screen, or uh, I think it was like a pop pass to Barrios coming across. Threw another one on second down, and that went nowhere. So I think too cute in the red zone. Um, again, maybe a little results-based just because it didn't work, but I just think based on the way Mike White was playing, uh, even the run game at times was pretty solid. Uh, just, you know, pound that football, throw quick slants, just play football. I didn't think they really he needed to go into the bag to help these guys out in this game. I think they were playing well enough to get it done on their own, and some of those trick plays uh, put them into holes when they got down in the red zone. You know, all those plays were on first down, the Garrett Wilson incompletion. Uh, there's the, you know, the night screen I just mentioned, and there was another screen I think they called. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just think a little too cute in the red zone. Yeah, and they had the, the I guess your random prediction hit because they had yep. Garrett Wilson throw. That's true. Finally got that in. I said I said he'd throw it to Moore. It was not to Moore. Well, he threw it out of bounds, but it was Corey Davis in the area. Either way, though, Garrett Wilson pass attempt. That, that would have been big money if I put some on that. Yeah, I just feel like, um, like you said, it. I feel like for the offensive coordinator, the way that we grade him sometimes is a little too results-driven. Yeah, you, you do have to see the All-22. And like you said, this was a bad Vikings pass defense, and it didn't feel like anything was easy. So there is something to that where it's like, okay, but how much more could they have schemed up? Did they get away from the run too early? And then, yeah, the red zone play column was a little too cute. But at the same time, with the amount of yards that the Jets had, it's hard to really go up against the floor here and act like he totally cost them this game or something. It just felt like, yes, he could have been better. Yes, the Jets could have won this game. But, you know, I, I still feel like, there wasn't really one guy, I guess, or like one unit that really let them down in this game. It was just didn't do enough to win in the end, uh, especially, you know, even on the defensive side of the football in the first half, I felt like they really had some drives there that just killed them, especially with penalties, not being able to get off the field on third down. They didn't seem like they were getting any pass rush. The corners were getting burned a little bit at times. The safeties were really getting burned. The defense tightened up in the second half. That is one thing you got to say for them. It's the same trend with San Francisco too, where, the defense gets better as the game goes on. Obviously, that they rotate a lot. They keep them fresh, um, and then I, you know, I think they wear down those offensive lines just by how much they rotate uh, and the style of defense they play. Um, so they and they make adjustments. So they get better as the game goes on, and you saw that in this one. But 
again, it just felt like they, they let up too much in the first half. And then they had that drive in the second half where it's like they'd really closed the gap and then the Vikings had that touchdown to, to Jefferson. And what did you think about the decision there? I know we talked about it a little bit that maybe you'll see some sauce on Hawkinson and that's what they did in that situation. We're talking about the, the last touchdown to Jefferson in the fourth quarter. They put sauce on Hawkinson. So it's his other side. They, they move Reed from right corner to left corner, put him on Jefferson. That felt like a situation. And I thought Reed did a, a great job against Jefferson for the most part. Look, he's the best receiver in the league. He's going to have his moments. Um, but in that situation, the red zone, to have them switch sides, to have Reed cover Jefferson, I don't know if I like that. And it was also it wasn't like you were on the the five yard line or something where you're worried about maybe the Hawkinson jump ball or something. It just felt like that's a situation where they should have kept him on. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it just did, it did right. feel like that switch was maybe not the best idea in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just always tough when you know you have a player like Sauce and you see someone else score a touchdown in the red zone, you're like, man, you really just wish he could be in that situation. But, you know, like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty because, you know, imagine Sauce is in that side. Now they go for the Hawkinson mids, uh, mismatch against Reed, which would be a bigger size advantage. Well, but they don't they don't have to put Reed on Hawkinson, though. They, right. you know, they could double him or put a safety on. You know, right. it's like, I don't know. I mean, if they flex him to the outside, they could dictate the matchup if they yeah. wanted to. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's. You know, that was the question we asked going into this game. Like, are they going to stick with their left-right that they usually do? Are they going to take some of what they did against the Bills when they played Diggs, do some of that side-switching based on the strength of the formation? It does look like they did that a decent amount in this game. I think they mostly stayed home. There were some situations where they did it, obviously. It worked out in that situation, but like you said, Reed, for the most part, I think played pretty good. I mean, Jefferson ended up in this game with – 45 yards on 11 targets. I mean, I I would sign up for that coming yeah. into the game um, with some of the numbers he's used to putting up. I mean, he puts up 100 on the weekly pretty much without a sweat. So I, I would have signed up for that. Uh, yeah, and that, yeah. that includes a 20-yard touchdown. <laughs> that, right. You know, it's like... He did draw a couple holds early on, so that yeah. also adds to his numbers a little bit. But, um, but they did okay. I mean, all things considered, like you, you know... Think about the standards of what he usually does. It was low relative to that. But, I mean, I guess it's a good time to start talking about the defense overall because, um, I mean, as as much as the offense underwhelmed in the red zone, they put up 22 points in spite of that. They dominated the ball, put up nearly 500 yards of offense. I think the defense was the worst side of the ball in this one. Um, again, despite the red zone struggles because – now, even though they didn't finish, they had to get there in the first place while the defense, uh, I don't know, I, the first half, they gave it 20 points. Um, I mean, six of those were uh, set up already, but, you know, two long touchdown drives. Uh, then second half, they did just give up the one touchdown drive, but I feel like some of the stops they got were just Kirk Cousins missing throws, and Cousins was terrible in this game. I think they really lucked out with that because he missed a lot of throws. Like, there was a one wide open throw to Hawkinson uh, where he got behind Reed that wouldn't be a touchdown because he wouldn't outrun Reed, but it would be a huge gain. Uh, so they lucked out on that. Uh, There's another one right after that right through behind Jefferson. So I, th- I just think Cousins was pretty bad. He bailed the Jets out in this game quite a bit. So, you know, how much of the defense was playing better? How much of it uh, was Cousins just playing badly? I mean, they came up with big sacks when they needed them. So credit to them for that. 
especially the last couple drives. I think they made big plays they need to. They stuffed the runs. Uh, they got the three stops they needed in that last drive to get the ball back. So you know, they, they played better, but ultimately 27 points on the board. Um, and again, two field goals were set up on them. So not really on the hook for those, but uh, three long touchdown drives. And I think it should have been more if Kirk Cousins just hit uh, some throws that he should hit. So uh, I think the pass rush didn't really do enough relative to what I hoped they would do. This was a, an exploitable matchup against uh, one of the worst interior offensive lines in pass protection. And no Christian Darisaw in a backup left tackle who granted Carl Lawson did get him for a sack. So, you know, he did take advantage of that, but the consistent pressure and think was quite as much as I would have liked to see. It was okay, but I think they had a chance to really dominate and they weren't able to do that. So expected a little bit more from them. And then the run defense early on definitely was an issue. Um, Vikings end up with 4.4 yards per carry, uh, which is, you know, about an average number. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, the defense wasn't, wasn't terrible. They rebounded well, but, uh, definitely let the Jets get into a hole with the way they played early on. How, how scared were you when, uh, when Quinnen was on the ground there holding this clavicle? Yeah, I, I, I was very scared. I, I, thought, well, <laughs> I thought he was done. Thanks a lot, football gods. I thought he like, was done for the year. Yeah, I, I was totally sold. And he had a, another scare. Was it the Denver game when he got yeah, hurt he, and left and then came back? It was green. So, yeah, it was one of those games. I'd ask you this uh, pregame. Would you, would you rather have taken the win – but Quinnen breaks his collarbone. He's out for Pre- the year. Podcast. Or, yeah. uh, or uh, what happened with like the loss? But he's fine. Probably the loss, and he's fine, right? I mean, I yeah, feel like that, that's he's what so. I I, I, he's so valuable that I think I would take the loss to keep him because I think losing him would cost you at least a win. He's just so important. I mean, yeah, he's so good. Oh my God, why is the defense good? It's because the pass rush. And then you look at the pass rush and the corners, like. In the, in the corners, obviously. I think the corners, um, honestly, more so than the pass rush. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But, you know, you look at what I'm saying is like Quinnen's importance to that yeah. pass rush is, I would say, more so maybe even than any individual corner because, you know, as great as sauces, you also have Reed, you also have Carter second. But you look at the pass rush, and it's like, again, you have, you have some very good pieces there. But interior specifically, like Quinnen goes out, and it's like, now you're starting Nathan Shepard. With Sheldon Rankins, it's a bigger loss than I think any other position on the team in terms of the downgrade you get yeah. if he goes out. Uh, and you know, just the way he affects both phases, I think, is different than any other defender in that defense, uh, both run and pass. So I think you would lose at least one win if he was injured. So um, hopefully he's okay because, you know, he came back in and finished yeah, it. But, I think he's fine. Yeah, it should be fine. So, uh, yeah, good thing he is healthy. Uh, I mean, what else did you think about the defense? I know we talked about uh, some of the things that they could have done better, but I want to talk about the safeties a little bit because it feels like they really were part of the reason that uh, early on in the game, especially they got cooked a few times. There was one really bad one where Joyner got, got cooked. He got sold in the out route or the corner route. um, And Rager was wide open on a post and then Whitehead overran it. And it's just like, they haven't, I mean, they got off to a brutal start of the season. And then I think they had a nice stretch of games where they, whether or not it was because they're playing backup quarterbacks or because they have great corners. I thought the safeties had a nice few stretch of games, but the last month or so you've, you've seen some holes in, in the safety performances. I think Whitehead is a good, but not great player. He's not the best in coverage. I think he's a great box player and he hits harder than, you know, anybody in the team minus Quincy. 
Um, but not the best coverage player. And then Joyner at times, yes, he's a veteran, so he does make some some smart plays in coverage, but it does seem like he gets cooked a, a few too many times, yeah. especially on some of those deep plays. So an upgraded safety would be nice in the offseason. But um, what do you think about the safety performance? Yeah, I think they struggled. I mean, when you see Jalen Rager beating both, both of your safeties at once for a big play, it's like, all right, guys, what are we doing? So, I mean, he's, he's, he's fast. He's shifty. Yeah, I mean, don't let that happen. Yeah, <laughs> barely does anything ever. So, I mean, I mean, the safeties of, I guess you would give them credit for not being as much of a disaster as you projected that they could be the way the season started those first few games. Because, you know, like you said, first few games, they were making mistakes left and right. I mean, Ravens game, they gave up two of the three touchdowns. Um, Browns game, they gave up a lot. And then the uh, Bengals game, Whitehead has that atrocious missed tackle, which kind of changed the course of the whole game to create that Tyler Boyd touchdown. So it was a really bad start to the season. It seemed like that would limit the whole defense. But they were comp- they've were they been competent enough to where the rest of the strengths of the defense can shine through and make it an elite defense in spite of that. But uh, in this game, it kind of reared its ugly head. Once again, so yeah, um, yeah, those that's definitely the position you're prioritizing, and I don't think Whitehead is the um, most guarantees this offseason either. Not to not to get too ahead with that, but um, I would I would explore looking to upgrade both safety positions, whatever you can do with that spot. I might keep Whitehead around, but yeah, that, that's a conversation for a different pod. Yeah, uh, they do have plenty of restricted free agents and unrestricted free agents. White Mike White's a free agent. That'll certainly be an interesting discussion if he plays well down the stretch and he plays to this level and the Jets make the playoffs it's like what type of contract did he get but again that's a conversation for for a different pod um let's do some stock up and stock down which we haven't really done too much in in these post game pods but I think this is a good game to do it um we'll start with some of the we could just trade off um there's some obvious stock up players so let's just talk about those guys first and then maybe we have some under the radar guys who either played well or or, or didn't play too well the obvious stock up plays or players and let's just start there mike white garrett wilson bam knight talked a little bit about mike white but garrett wilson i mean the jets i know we said this last week but the jets have a receiver number one he looked fantastic in this game and he outplayed jefferson um yeah he did outplay jefferson i know it's not like a can't compare it because they're going up against different secondaries, but he's so damn good, man. He's, uh, I mean, and I, I love how uh, Elijah Moore has, has been unlocked by Mike White as well. You're starting to get more um, Elijah Moore plays and getting him involved in this offense, and you're seeing his skill set. But the difference between Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, I, I think Elijah Moore is a great receiver. This isn't an anti Elijah Moore take, but you can just see the level that Garrett Wilson can be at. Uh, and he's only a rookie. And he spent half the season with the quarterback who really couldn't hit him. Um, so now it's like he he clearly has some chemistry with Mike White. He's gone off these last two games. He does kind of seem like he's hitting his stride at the perfect time for the Jets. And, yeah, just another fantastic game. So what did you make of uh, of Garrett Wilson's game? And then we can talk a little bit about Bam Knight. Complete stud. Um, I think that's getting proved at this point. I mean, he's just a complete package as a, you know, go-to receiver. He's – He's a good route runner. He's able to get open uh, at the catch point, strong hands, able to make contested catches. And, you know, there's there were drop questions coming into the season. We haven't seen that in a pretty long time. So that's been good. He's mostly erased that. Um, and then after the catch, he's I'm trying I try to figure out what is the best of those 
three parts of the package for him. Is it the route running? Is it the catch point? Is it the yak? Because he's so good at all three, it's kind of hard to pick what his best trait is. But the yak is a really good part of it. That might be number one because just there are so many catches he makes in traffic where just guys bounce off him and he stays up and then is able to get all these extra yards, hit that second gear, get down the field. Man, I wish he scored that one touchdown. Ugh. Uh, I thought he still, did. Still a great play. So I thought he did too. It was one of, like you said, I I had that one and the Barrios touchdown where I sold for a good five, ten seconds. Uh, completely solely got it. And then I hear something from the broadcast like, oh, wait. And I'm like, you know, then the reality hits me. You could see the soul leave my body. Uh, so wish he not, scored that. Regardless, not, still low yeah. of expectation. Not to be the uh, the ugly American who like shits on soccer. It's coming. Just wait. I watched this at a sports That's bar. Me. I, have, I have a lot of nasty. Yeah, I feel like anytime there. I go, I'm not going to shit too much on soccer, but I'll say uh, I watched this at a sports bar, $20 cover. They're like, we have the whole first floor is just the Jets game and the audio's on. We get in there, we're watching the game. It's like about like first quarter ends. And then they cha- he, he comes back like the, the bouncer or whatever, the owner, whoever. There was a ton of people watching the uh, England soccer game, like upstairs, and I guess they were getting annoyed by the audio from like downstairs of all the football game. So they complained enough where he's like, "I got to change the audio to the soccer game on all the TVs." So then for like most of this game, I watched it with no audio, and then I was just listening to like, I think soccer is the one sport you really don't need any commentary at all. So like, I went from watching football with Ian Eagle and Charles Davis, great experience. Then it changes to like Walsh with the ball. And he passes, and it's just like the. It's just all right. This is brutal, um, and so yeah, my uh, my love for soccer uh, definitely went down a little bit. I was definitely cheering against England after all those English fans. Yeah, I, I, mean, yeah, listen, I guess here's my quick take. Look, I, I have all the respect in the world for the sport. It takes an extreme amount of talent, um, you know. So, so I, I respect it completely. All right, but, getting political you know, on just, us. You could just say say what you say what you want to say. It, say it with your chest. You hate it. It's not appealing to me. It's not fun. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I get that. I just wanted. I was just saying because of that. Because of that, I, there were so many plays that I missed, and like even like when the Mike when Mike White had the uh, the scramble or the QB sneak touchdown, like I didn't know what the commentary was saying. And I was like, he looks in, but I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> it's like, oh, if only we I could hear the rules analyst. I was being a bit of a Karen. I was getting a little loud. I was like, thank God we can hear this soccer commentary <laughs> in this three nil game. But um, yeah, no, Riveting so sorry. Stuff. I know. Now I'm cheering against England for the World Cup. Sorry to our UK listeners. But... Yeah, we, we apologize, all soccer yeah. fans. Again, like I said, totally respect it. Just not, not, not for me. But like, the, oh, and the, that play, and then the the Barrios drop at the end. I thought he scored, so I was celebrating for like a solid five seconds, and then I realized. Um, well, I don't if you he... heard it though, I think he Ian Eagle was kind of sold for a second that he had it. I, I forget what his exact call was, but because I didn't realize for a few seconds until he said. Like, oh, I think he dropped it or something. Yeah. Uh, that. What do you think about that play? And that play? It does seem like. Man, it's a tough one because it's like not the most perfect throw I've ever seen. A little little bit behind. He goes, he, he goes off platform, which I get. He goes off platform. He looked like uh, Zach Wilson in the play in the sense that. Which he may have his... had to do to avoid yeah. getting tipped, which happened a few plays on, on an earlier red zone play where he potentially could have hit Corey Davis for a touchdown where he got deflected. Um, yeah, so not the most perfect throw, but it got through his right and Barry's his chest. And like, when I watched the replay, it's like, he had the ball and he cradled it to his chest. It didn't really come out until he, like his back hit the ground and he just kind of flailed and lost it. It wasn't really forced out. 
So it's oh, that's a, that's the type of that's the type exact type of catch I want him to make. I know he can't get outside his frame. He doesn't have the most amazing hops or any of that stuff to you know make catches you don't expect. But like when the ball's on his body, that's a reliable catch that I expect him to make. And man. I know they. I know they it. like him, and that's clearly okay. Clearly, that situation. Uh, that was fourth down, right? Yeah, that was fourth and one. Yeah, that's like their gotta have it fourth and one play, and that's probably you know also a play they have for two point conversions and whatnot. And I don't know if I love that that they're going to Barrios there. I mean, I know that you expect Barrios to make that catch, and then also, you know, because he's not your top receiver, he's not going to draw the the most attention, and then you kind of feel like that should be six every time. But I do wish that was. Maybe Elijah Moore, you know, it doesn't feel it. I don't know. It, it, in that spot, it's like, all right. I mean, I get it. I know Barrios is a good player, but game on the line, gotta have it. I don't know if he's the guy I'm going to. Also, Conklin does seem like he would have been open at the corner of the end zone, but that was clearly one of those plays that he was going to go to Barrios. I, I will say with with White, he's far and away more accurate than Wilson, um, but sometimes he does put it on the wrong shoulder, and and sometimes that's because like he's trying to lead him away from contact. Like I think the the first interception he had to Corey was one of those where it's like, yeah, okay, maybe you should have put it in front of him, but there's also a safety coming downhill. And if he puts that in front of him and Corey Davis gets leveled, we'd all be maybe criticizing white for throwing some hospital balls. But there are a few times where it's like, that was the wrong shoulder there. It should have been caught regardless. Um, that was brutal. That was just, ugh. Um, there was that play. What were some of the other missed up? Well, we were doing stock up and stock down. Sorry. Let's not get away right. from, from the, uh, so Garrett Wilson stock up, Mike White stock up, Bam Knight also stock up. I mean, how great has he been since he's come in? Fresh legs brings back some of that explosive, uh, uh, explosive plays to the Jets running offense, which we haven't seen since Brees Hall went out. Uh, I love the way he runs. Like his legs are always churning. He just hits the hole faster than any other running back in the Jets. Um, and yeah, I like that they have him down the stretch, a guy who hasn't had, you know, 10 weeks worth of, of NFL hits um, on his body at this point in the season. He enters December fresh, and I think he saw the, the benefit of that in this game. What do you think about Zonovan Knight's performance and, and how the Jets might be using him down the stretch? I think he's legit. I mean, again, you know, this is all just what we've seen so far. It's too giddy. Not, I'm, <laughs> I'm giddy. I'm giddy about Zonovan Knight. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. It's both with him and Mike White, two games, small sample, but it's you know still to this point what we've seen from Knight. I think is legitimately good production. I think in this game, some of the vision he had, like there was one really good run where he cut it back earlier on. Um, the big run he had was is very well blocked, but I think he showed nice vision because the crease he ended up going through was pretty small, so he showed nice nice vision, nice confidence to go through that, slip through it, and then the home run speed to turn that into a 48 yarder. So it's good to have some of that explosiveness back that you missed with Brees Hall. Cause they were really, uh, they're really lacking that since Brees Hall went out, but I think Knight brings some of that back. Um, I like the vision. I think he finished as well. And, you know, he had a really big play in that final red zone series where he should have had a loss for a few yards, but he saved it. Got back to the line. That's true. Yeah. Really poorly blocked play. Uh, and he put him in a position to, Still beat the goal line there, but um, yeah, I, I like him so far because you know sometimes guys come in and they put up yardage numbers, and you know it is what it is. Maybe they get it all on a play here or there, or it's just you know perfectly blocked or wide open catch or something. But I feel like he's earning 
a lot of these yards he's getting. I mean, back to back a hundred yard games to start his career. You know, that's something, you know, that shouldn't be ignored. That's really impressive to do. Yeah. Especially when you watch it and you're like, I mean, this guy's really earning it with some of the vision, like I said, and the elusiveness, the power that he finishes with at times. So I, I like what he's shown quite a bit. Yeah. And you, you want to talk about, well, Mike White's performance, you know, increases your confidence in the Jets going down the stretch and maybe raises the ceiling of the type of noise they can make down the stretch. Bam Knight also does, does yeah, a yeah. huge part he, of that. He's because, also part of that. Because Carter was underwhelming. James Robinson has been underwhelming. Ty Johnson is hit or miss this point in, through this point in his career, mostly miss. But having a guy like Bam Knight and, like you said, 200-yard performances in his first two starts is massive for this offense. And uh, I think they, they got Fant back today. We could talk about that in a second. Um, but it's like, yeah, I mean, I, th- I felt he made the most of his opportunity. And the run blocking could have been better in this one, but he certainly had a, a number of explosives. And I – Bet you we're going to see a lot more of running the football next week in Buffalo against the Bills. I imagine that uh, Robert Sala will be hammering that into to Michael Floor. So should be another heavy week of a Bam night. Uh, let's hear some uh, some other stock up and stock downs. I'll turn it over to you. There are a few more that I have written down here, but I know that you have uh, a few on on the top of your mind. So stock up or stock down? Who are you choosing? Um, I think for stock up, um, I mean, how about we go with George Fan? I mean. His return from injury, he ends up replacing Max Mitchell, which was performance-based, I believe. Like, there's no injury report on him, right? So, no, I don't, I don't believe so. Yeah, I believe. So I guess that was their plan. They were going to run Mitchell out there and have a quick rope if they didn't think it was going well, which I don't think it was. I remember at least two noticeable plays. But did you say, did you say quick rope? Quick like, rope. Like short, short leash? Short, short leash. Quick rope. I think that's the thing. All right, am I, I thinking like, something else? Well, like if you're like Google's our friend here. Quick, quick rope. rope. I, short leash. Come on, all these. I don't know. Sometimes I get my malapropisms phrases mixed yeah. up. <laughs> short leash. Let's go with that. <laughs> quick rope. I like. I mean, I, I got what you meant. I feel like I've heard that before. Quick. I'm ro- not I'm totally sure. sold. That is not a thing. We've, we've it got. Kind of, it kind of feels that. like we're yeah like. If you throw somebody a lifeline quickly, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't. I think short leash is, is the safer bet there. All right, go on. My bad. All right, we're, we're, just, I'm just, we're making it a habit now to call it all of those instances now in the pod. Yeah, short Gotta leash. Be... Uh, Max Mitchell. I guess you know they want to see how it would go and put Fant in there quickly, and they did. So uh, I I think he's pretty good, and you have to rewatch it. You don't know for sure, and all these plays are just. You know, one after the next throughout an entire game. And you're not really focusing on every single offensive lineman, so it's hard to really know. But I think from rewatching some of the broadcast plays we've seen so far, uh, I've seen a lot of Dwayne Brown struggling in this game, but a lot of pressure off that blind side, but not a lot from that right side. I haven't really seen much of him struggling. So um, this is TBD, has an asterisk on it, so we'll verify it when we rewatch the game a little bit more, but I think no fan, obviously it's a good sign just to have him back. And I think he went out there and seemed like he had a pretty solid game for the most part. So if if he can be the peak version of of himself, even if it's at right tackle, it can be a huge boost for the offense. I feel like that's a a good time where maybe we can announce what, what's, what's happening Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. George Fant, anybody who guessed, guessed it. We said uh, on last pod, we're going to have an interview. Tuesday, 
double-digit number, two jersey numbers added to 13. Fingers crossed, like I said, I told that story about Taiwan Jones. Sometimes things happen, but we do have George Fant scheduled um, for an interview on Tuesday, so that'll drop Wednesday. Uh, lots to talk to him about. Very excited about that one. I mean, that's a guy who's been here for a few years now, has really seen the transition from Gase through Sala, um, can speak to Vera Tucker and Quinnen and this season, and now he's playing. It was a well-timed podcast, but he'll be on to, to promote uh, his My Cause, My Cleats, and, and talk some Jets for, for a little bit. So that'll drop Wednesday. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Again, don't want to. Well, I, I won't. I won't really tweet it. I think until uh, until that recording is is in the bin and ready to go. Um, but yeah, I was once once you said him, I was like, oh, is he just are you throwing him out there because we're getting ready for the friend of the pod takes? But I agree. I think that Fant was uh, was pretty good. I do think that there should be cons- some consideration. I don't think they'll do it immediately. I think it would be have to be after the Bills game. If Brown struggles again, maybe you think about moving Fant to left tackle and Mitchell back to right tackle. Um, I'd be curious to go back and see did Mitchell play that poorly for him to get for him to get pulled like that, or is it just one? I think, like you said, maybe that was their plan going into it, where it was like start Mitchell if he doesn't have the best start of the offense, isn't going to put Fant in. But um, I don't know. I'd be curious to see the Fant Mitchell offensive line combo. But Brown's a veteran; he has that chemistry with Lake, and at this point in the season, I think it'll take another bad game for the for them to pull him. Uh, another guy stock up on the offensive line that you pointed out, so I'll let you talk about him. But Connor McGovern. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I know I haven't been the biggest McGovern fan, but I think he's had a a nice stretch here uh, this season. I think he's overall. I think he's you know I've called him a jag. I'll say he's a solid starter. Maybe he's a little bit better than a jag, but he has some plus traits that really excel in this scheme. And every once in a while, he puts together a game like this. I mean, again, we say it every post game pod. It's annoying. Got to go back and watch it. But from what we were able to see in the broadcast, it looked like McGovern had a really nice one. Well, yeah. I mean, just on the zone of a night, big run. I mean, McGovern, McGovern pulls outside and beats a linebacker who was lined up towards the play side, you know, with a few yards of an advantage, beats him to the spot, pins him inside, key block on that run. And then there's this one of those screen plays in the red zone, which it didn't work out because someone else didn't get blocked, but McGovern had a very good block in space out in front. I think it was the night one. Um, he had a great block on that. Uh, McGovern has been popping out a lot recently with some big blocks on these uh, breakout run plays and some screen plays as well. So his athleticism is shining in this offense. So I I like the way he's playing. And he's a, a big part of why the offensive line has been been able to, uh, let's let's say, you know, stay afloat and be a competent unit despite all the all the injuries. You know, it easily could be a complete mess where they're just absolutely terrible with all the injuries they've had, but it hasn't been that. And I think McGovern is a big part of why it has not gone down, down the drain. Yeah. We already talked about the safeties, but that's an obvious stock down. I think, you know what? Fuck it. We, we, I don't know why I dropped the F bomb there. Sometimes I drop some unnecessary F bombs, but I think that Greg Zerline deserves the, the stock up uh, for this game. What a, I mean, it does seem like the Jets have found themselves a kicker in Zerline. Yeah, he's not perfect. No kicker is, but six field goals in this one, including the franchise record, 60-yarder. Um, how'd you feel about Greg Zerline's performance? I mean, not really anything yeah. to critique. <laughs> yeah, there, there's so much nuance to this. I mean, we got to go through his form and every single kick, watch the film. No, I mean, it, how good has he been? Uh, just the number of big kicks he's made where they've really needed him to come through. Um, and then, you know, in addition to that, just the, the distance he's been kicking from. 60-yarder, I think he's got multiple 57s this year. 
And how good did that 60-yarder look? I mean, yeah. that thing was like halfway up from 60 They don't call him Greg the Leg for no reason. Yeah, he's living up to the nickname. So I, I wish we didn't see so much of him in this game, but, but he came through when they when they needed him to. Yeah, absolutely. And then what's what are some of the other stock up and stock downs? I'm trying to think. There's definitely, and you know what? Barrios stock down, I guess. Barrios definitely stock down. I, I, I'm torn on this one. Nice punt returns. What do you think good. about what do you think about Corey Davis stock down? He had a penalty to start yeah, the game. He had it a mixed bag. The, the yeah, drop he had a penalty, drop, the, drop that, the interception. Right. He had another drop later in the game, but he did make a number of extremely cut. He did have some big plays. catches. Yeah. So. Ends up going five for eighty-five. Yeah, it was it was a mixed bag. Maybe I think, not stock I think, down, just like, ugh, kind of killed us a little bit with those drops early on. Yeah, I think he just, just the one drop for it. But um, yeah, I think he ended up making up. Uh, Elijah Moore's quieter than you'd like. Uh, what'd you think of that one play? Um, I think it was the last drive of the first half where he's along the sideline, couldn't get his feet in. Do you think he should have had that one? I'm trying to remember it. I know he had the talking about. It's like well, he had another one. You got one foot, couldn't get the second foot. Uh, You and because I and Eagle and Charles Davis were discussing it, but you were too busy listening to the soccer commentary, so maybe you don't remember it as much. I don't remember it as much. I do remember the one at the end of the game though, where it was it was the second to last play of the game for the Jets, and it did did seem like Mike White had some space to run there. I think he was maybe worried about getting tackled and bounds, although he would have had the sideline. Did look like he had a chance to maybe run for the first. Instead, he opts for it, which is the smart move to to throw to Moore. And Moore was open, would have got it, would have been out of bounds. Just I can't tell if it was a little too far outside or if Moore just didn't have the length to go out and extend it. I remember that one, though. So there's that play from Elijah Moore. I vaguely remember the other play where he was out of bounds. Trying to think. You know, I guess another guy I'd throw in here, just looking at the box score for a second, not the box score, stat, box score scout. But actually, I'm not box score scouting because I do have yeah. examples I'm about you to watch bring the up. Game. Uh, Tyler Conklin ends up with two catches yeah. for nine yards on seven targets. And I want to rewatch it, but I feel like there were multiple plays where it was a contested ball, you know, catchable, and he wasn't able to come up with there it. Was one, there was one back shoulder. Uh, he would have had to high point it. Um, it would have been a fantastic catch, but, you know, there was that one that I, I felt like that he maybe could have come down with. I think there's one him. earlier where it was – kind of low but still catchable so i feel like there were we'll have to see it again but i feel like there were you know maybe should have had one or two more catches out of some of these difficult situations so that's that's the other thing with with mike white's performance there was a number of drops too there was even a denzel mims play which would have been a fan would have had to be an amazing catch by mims but in the first half do you remember that one yeah went back for it and didn't bring it down so that's another thing to think about with this Mike White performance is that he didn't necessarily get the best help from his receivers. But yeah, I don't know with with the receipt with Davis and with Moore. I mean, I don't know if it's stocked down as much as it's just you know they could have made some plays that maybe they didn't make. Um, I will say at the end of the game, throwing James Robinson because you know he got his opportunity here and didn't really do it. Four for only four carries, but yeah, four I don't know for if that's his opportunity. Four for uh, but Donovan Knight. I mean, clearly running yeah. the show here. Like, I mean, what does that say about him? I mean, when Michael Carter comes back, are we talking about a timeshare between Knight and Carter? Yeah, now? definitely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Knight might be your starter and then you have Carter's your third down back. And then you have uh, Robinson for their short yardage situations. It's probably what they'll do, but we'll see what happens. Um, I will say on the last play of the game, let's talk about that for a second. 
Um, obviously an interception didn't really look like it was there. That is one of the, the good elements of, of Mike White's game is that I think he has a great internal clock. Like he was able to feel that Dwayne Brown got beat and you can see him go through his first progression, his first read, which is Garrett Wilson, not open. He gets to his second read, which is Corey Davis, but you could, you could just see him feel the pressure coming from his left side and knowing that he doesn't have time to get to his third read, which would have been Elijah Moore who was open may have been tackled in bounds and the jets would have had to scramble and probably spike it with like a second to go or two seconds. It would have had a chance to win it there. Um, or he would have just gotten in, but he has that internal clock in him that it's just like, he has to, you know, he doesn't have time. So he's got to force it to Corey Davis and obviously it leads to an interception. But I thought that was, yes, it was, it was an interception. Yes. Elijah Moore was kind of open, but when you watch the play and you, understand what what the quarterback's job was on that play i thought that was actually a good a a good play for mike white in the sense of like he knows he can't take that sack and he has to fire to Corey davis but man you just wish he could have got if he just had an extra second to get to elijah Moore over the middle there i mean i don't know but you saw that internal clock show up a number of times that's that is right. a really underrated trait of mike white's that zach wilson did not have again we'll stop at the comparisons at a certain point but no, i mean he throws 57 passes in this game gets sacked one time and he's not the most athletic guy like it's it's the timing it's of the like, offense yeah he, it's, it's not like he's doing that by dodging people and, and he, if you're watching the game you, you can see that it's not like he's you know doing a ton of evasiveness or he had a really he had a really interesting quote this week that I'm curious to get yeah. your thoughts on because I think he, yeah, he's clearly he knows his playbook well. Clearly he is able to read defenses. He's a fast processor. He sees the field well. He has good footwork. But the thing that really stands out to me is how quickly he gets to his progressions. And he talked about in the Bills game last year, he was saying, you know, I was getting through those progressions quickly. Like I was seeing the field, you know, I was I was able to go, that guy's not open, that guy's not open. But he was like, I was almost going through it too fast. And because of that, the offense is based on the timing. So if I, I have to spend a certain amount of time on this first read because if I move off of him too quickly, that second guy is not going to be open. It's going to throw off the entire timing of the play. So he's done a great job of just nailing the timing of yeah. how long he can spend and how long he has to spend on a certain read. And then he, he was just talking about lining that up uh, you know, with his body. And he said, that's what kind of killed me in the Bills game is that I was just getting off my reads too quickly. Whereas like, okay, that guy's an open, but if I stay on him for that extra split second, that second guy might come open or the third guy behind him might come open within the timing. Um, but yeah, what do you, what do you think about, uh, about that from Mike White and his internal play clock and some of the stuff we saw. And then, yeah, especially that, that last play of the game. Do you think that maybe he should have, do you think that's a, a negative Mike White player? Do you think that's one of those where you, you put that maybe more on Dwayne Brown? I don't think so because I feel like he might've been thinking end zone or bust there because of the clock was, I, I mean, you look at more in that play and I think, at the time where he was probably going to throw that ball, if he was going to throw to more there, there is a corner on the outside who's, you know, he's in zone, he's his eyes on the quarterback, and he passes off Wilson to the inside. And I think White's maybe think if, if he does consider this throw, he's probably thinking if, if he throws that ball, there's a chance it gets tackled in bounds, clock runs out. So he might have been thinking, you know, end zone or bust there. But also, like you said, uh, I don't know if he had time to go there anyway because of Dwayne Brown getting beat. So I think it's a, you know, and this is why box scores are stupid because it says it's an interception, but I think it's a positive play because at the very least he created somewhat of a chance instead of just standing there yeah. and taking a sack. So yeah, I think the that's one, another good way he avoids sacks is because feels like he's good, you know, kind of peripheral vision, good feel for pressure that, you know, he might not be looking directly at. 
it seems like he has a good sense of that. And like you said, the timing is really good. And another big part of that quote is like how he said he's trying to match up his body with it. I think that's something you see is like as he goes through his reads, you kind of see the footwork and the lower body match up with what his eyes are doing. You know, when he's to the right, his hips are open over there, ready to make that throw, comes back middle, feet move with it. So it's like he always it's like he always has a good platform to throw the ball yeah. as he goes through his reads. It's not like I'm gonna see it first. Then I'm going to move my feet. And again, we don't want to keep making Zach Wilson comparisons. Like you can analyze one guy without comparing them, but just for the sake of it, because we have seen both of these quarterbacks in the same offense, it feels like Zach Wilson didn't have that. It's like he would scan the field. And then when he decides the throw he's going to make, then, you know, he starts setting himself. Then he moves his feet. And that kind of led to some inaccuracy. Whereas with White, it feels like once he makes the decision mentally, that he's ready to throw the ball physically. He's already set because it's matched up with what he's thinking. So I think that's something he, he does a good job with. And then ultimately, ultimately, you know, one sack in this game, one sack in the previous game. Um, I think he had one against the bills, two against the Bengals, none against the Colts. So he's very good at minimizing the sacks. You don't always have to be the most amazing athlete to keep the sack number low. Yeah, if you're a quick processor, doesn't Yeah, sometimes the the quick processing can eliminate the need to do that. So he does a good job of taking away the sacks, which is a a big plus. Are there any negatives from Mike White's game? Not like specific plays, but just things that have jumped out to you that... No, he's flawless. flawless. (laughs) Like potential weaknesses or anything? I guess, you know, definitely the vertical throws down the sideline is something hasn't really been proven yet. He had a good opportunity to... He had two that were pretty nice. That that didn't, you know, the Conklin and Mims one didn't come down. But I was really right. impressed with his arm strength, man. I have to say, like, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, his release, I guess, is a little more elongated. You know, it's not as smooth or quick as a Zach Wilson. I don't know about comparing that. again. But I, I feel like he just, you know, he has to take a little bit more to get it out. But once it does come out, like, it does have that velocity and zip to a pretty high level. But I mean, yeah. I mean, don't you think he does? You know, maybe the the release itself. Yeah, Wilson has is, that, that takes loose. a little bit more time. You know, from you know when he starts winding up to when it comes out. Well, because he actually throws with his lower half is <laughs> probably right, why he's not just throwing with his arm. But I, his release itself is actually is pretty quick. But I know what you mean, where it's like maybe a, a split second longer than Zach's. But it has zip when it comes out, though. I mean, you don't make the throws he made in this game without having that. So the Bills game will be big. Bill's game will be absolutely big. Yeah. Uh, sorry, was there anything else you wanted to add in terms of potential? I you know I cut you out there a little bit, but any potential weaknesses you saw? I mean, the deep stuff we haven't seen too much of. Athletically, you know, we saw we saw him a little bit run. You know, we yeah, I think few- that's definitely something like that. Um, the play before the quarterback sneak when he nearly scored it—that's a play that a lot of more athletic quarterbacks are scoring on, right. including let's compare it again, Zach Wilson. <laughs> I yeah. think he's scoring on that. It feels like Mike White has no interest in running unless he absolutely has to. Uh, which so is fine. It, yeah, which is fine. You know, he protects himself. He prioritizes throwing, which is higher ceiling, more dangerous. So it's okay. There are definitely some situations where you would like to see him take off a little quicker. And I think on that play, um, if he takes off a beat faster, and, and give him credit because when he did get up there, he put his shoulder down. Um, ran ran it pretty tough and almost got there. So give him credit for that. But if he took off a beat quicker, he probably would have scored it. So I'd say that's something. Um, and then also, I mean, 
know, as much of a game manager as he is, he's very aggressive. We've seen that these past couple games. It's like for the most part, he wants to rely on the, you know, safer throws, get it out quick. But when he does go downfield, it's like he's not he's fearless when he does decide to challenge. There's not really a window that deters him. He thinks he can fit it into any window and he's proving that he is capable of doing that. But uh, I think, you know, there is a, a degree of maybe recklessness isn't the right word, but uh, you know, he, he's a chance taker and I think we'll see some turnovers because of that. Obviously in this game, they were, you know, fluky turnovers. He essentially didn't turn it over in this game. Um, but you know, going forward, you know, bears game, there were some close calls and, you know, I think the interceptions, could be an issue if it's something he doesn't uh, find a way to control. So um, maybe those would be some of the weaknesses I'd mention. The thing that's exciting, though, is that he's getting these game reps and you figure that he should continue to get better the more games that he gets under his belt. So, you know, he's off to a good start this season. Obviously, this this loss, I I don't want to say crushing. How would you describe? I mean, disappointing. Probably the best word because it's not, you know, it's like, they got some help today, and so they're still – they honestly didn't really – nothing really changed in the AFC standings. Dolphins lost, Chargers lost, Patriots lost. Wish the Bengals lost too, but the Jets are still in the same position. They entered the weekend. It does put more pressure on the Bills game. I mean, they can still lose it, and they still – you know, if they run the table, they'll make it either way. But um, a win next week would be absolutely massive. Uh, and I think they've proven that they can hang with anybody. I, I don't think that we should just chalk that up as a, an automatic loss. Clearly, we've seen the Jets can definitely hang with the Bills. They exited this game relatively healthy. We'll see what the injury report says tomorrow. Um, Mike White looks like he's an upgrade at quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, the Jets really have a, you know, this game was disappointing. I think it proved some good things. They didn't fall to, out of the playoff race with this one. And, you know, you have to be happy with, with how some of these players played. So, you know, I guess, I don't know. I think I think we've said it all, Michael. I don't know if there's anything else to add. I guess I can do the plugs, and if you have anything else, uh, throw it in at the end. Sound good? Yeah, sounds all right. good. Follow us. I know we're using a different – we're not using Zoom this this time, so the audio quality – or hopefully the video quality is a little better. Uh, you can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter, Michael, Michael underscore Nania. Uh, you can follow me at Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com, best place to go for Jets content. A lot of great Jets pods and, and articles and – uh, we'll be coming out this week. We will have the George Fant interview dropping Wednesday. Fingers crossed, assuming that that goes through. Uh, regardless, preview pod will be coming out on Friday for the Bills game. What a big game that's going to be. Um, I think, oh yeah, uh, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That helps the pod out a ton. Subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube. Michael, last words? Stay optimistic. That's what I would say, I think. Look at you. Um, Look at you. you know, as, you're, ha- as, you're handling as, this loss a lot better than some of the other ones, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm definitely showing some character. You're buying, yeah, you're 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 turning into my uh, my loss defense mechanism, which is just go find the glass half full every loss. Yeah, I mean, like as a fan, you know, you have this inclination when your team loses to just brood and complain and do all these negative things, but it's like you can't control the outcome of the game. So the only thing you can can control is how you react to that outcome. So I could either you know, make my life worse by just basking in the negativity of it, or I could be optimistic about what's to come. So I don't know. I, I would try my best to accomplish that. Just the positive thinking. Yeah. I, look, I, I think you're right. This was not an awful, this was not an awful Sunday for the jets. Um, you like the way they rebounded. Wish they could have won this one, but 
still in it. And also, Michael, let us not forget, what was our goal heading into this year? Uh, meaningful games in December. We wanted to we be in the hunt graphic in December. And in we're the hunt, actually, that's true. We're, we're past in the hunt, so we'll take that. Um, all right, I guess with that, we can wrap this up. We will be back on Wednesday with the George Fan interview, fingers crossed, and a, uh, a preview pod on Friday, so three pods this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great week. Stay optimistic. Go Jets.